Hi, welcome to BCI Cattle Chat. Brad White joined today by Bob Weber, Dustin Pindell, and Bob Larson. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Good morning, gents. We're happy to have everybody here today. And as always, we appreciate feedback. So if you want to send us a note, we've received some notes from listeners. We will respond back to those. But send us a send us an email, send us a question. You can send that to bci at ksu.edu at any time. We, lo- we really like that feedback and that interaction. We've got a couple different stories that we're going to talk about today. We want to talk about we just completed a tour where we worked with the Kansas Extension Master Food Volunteers. So I want to get into that a little bit, some of the topics we discussed there. And then we'll talk about a, a couple things that are in the news as we, as we move forward. First thing that, that we want to talk about is the semester is over here in Manhattan. So Manhattan will change a little bit without the, without the students in town. Absolutely. The uh, I noticed I pulled into the parking lot on Tuesday at about 8.30, and I'm like, man, I'm not going to get a parking spot. Plenty of parking. Over 100 <laughs> spots still open. I was like, yes. yes. So it's a, it's a great time for those for those students, and we have a little bit different interaction. And, and Dr. Larson, I know you have taken some students out on, on some tours, and we'll be doing more of that this week. It's a good chance for students to get uh, exposure to different areas. So you, you may see them in different spots across the state or across the country, right? You're taking some out? Exactly. Some of the students are, you know, they're not in the classroom this time of the year, but they're also get, they're still getting some experiences. So, you know, some students are doing internships and different things like that. But we've got a group of veterinary students that are getting some additional training these first couple of weeks of uh, the summer. So they're spending some time going to some production facilities, some feedlots, dairies, uh, those types of operations, as well as getting to talk to uh, ag lenders and others that are involved um, in livestock production, veterinary medicine. And so it's, it's just it's a non-classroom but hands-on type of experience for the students. And they, and they really do kind of like to get away from the classroom and get some, some real-world experiences. And those are students in the veterinary training program for rural Kansas. Those veterinary, all veterinary students. You're yes, talking about. and they've they've really gotten to see some interesting uh, production facilities, some interesting ranches, and uh, will continue throughout this week. Excellent. And then Bob and Dustin, you you guys uh, and I were along, and we we had this tour group that that came through. Uh, really good experience with them, and I, and I want to commend. And Patty's not here, but Patty Dollarhide, our dietitian. She really set up this group, and, and a lot of it was based on some of the questions. One of the things I want to lead off with was they did a – this was the Kansas Extension Master Food Volunteers. So they work with extension agents. They work with consumers. And, and one of the questions was, what kind of information are they asking for when they talk to you on the pre-survey question? You guys remember some of the things that came up on that? But one of the, the ones uh, that I remember was uh, sort of um, – what do cattle eat? So some you know nutrient uh, or feeding stuff for for cattle, um, and another one was sort of animal handling, animal welfare issues. So kind of helping the, the public understand what it is we do on on the welfare side. I believe there were some comments made about uh, grass fed versus uh, grain fed. Oh yeah, uh, maybe yep. one in particular yeah. is one healthier over the other, uh, if I recall correctly. Yep, grass fed, grain fed. Uh, questions about how we handled the cattle, questions about antibiotic use, questions about several areas of, of animal welfare in particular, and then also on the nutrition side. So it it wasn't, and, I, and I'll say I wasn't able to answer all of the questions. There were certain ones that I could address, certain ones you could address, yep. certain ones Patty could address, but it was good having the, having the team to discuss some of those questions. And then 
Dustin, you you talk some you talk some to this group about some of the economics of the industry. To give us some feedback yep. on what so did that go, how did that go? We just uh, so what I did was I pulled some statistics from the ag census, kind of hey here's how many operations there are, kind of showing across time what's happened. You know, fewer farms, larger farms. Uh, talked a little bit about the ag economy over the last three to five years, not in such good shape. Uh, brought that home specifically thinking about Kansas operations using Kansas farm management data. Talked about cow-calf operations, net returns. Uh, again, kind of showing it's not necessarily been real rosy picture, but again, a lot of that's just averages. If you look at the whole distribution, there are people that are actually making uh, making a living out of it. And and sometimes not all those producers, you know, maybe they're not out there trying to maximize profits. Maybe there are other objectives, whether it's lifestyle, maybe it's uh, diversification, maybe they are in, in the grain side and that's the livestock is just a diversification issue or or as I explained, you know, growing up we had some cows and I think it was a way to keep, you know, me and my brother and sisters bailing hay. It does hay, keep teenage hay. boys and girls pretty busy and that's not all bad. Not yep. all bad, that's right. And then uh, what was ironic about that is the minute all of us left high school, cows went away. So they serve their purpose. They serve their purpose. So yeah. So with those for those that are out there, and I want to explore a little bit, and we'll, we'll come back to the tour. But I want to explore a little bit on your comment of relative to the distribution of those profits, or relative to how that spread out. Because Bob, you were talking about that today, and yeah. and there's a range in cow calf profitability. When there's you know there's been a number of university surveys and and other and, and USDA surveys looking at. Average profitability oftentimes is not very impressive, but if you if you really look at the whole distribution and you look at the top, say one third of producers or top quarter of producers, a lot of times the profitability is is actually pretty good, and 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 so the the challenge becomes um, how to get in that top third. How to get how to get in that top third, and it usually involves doing a lot of little things well and avoiding big mistakes. It's it's not really rocket science. But it's about you know using your resources wisely, um, just doing a lot of the. So I'm thinking more of the livestock production, but doing a lot of animal husbandry things well, avoiding big mistakes, um, and 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 it's a lot of times little details that it's not that different than a, an operation that's barely breaking even, but just a few things are done well, usually on the cost side and the income side. So the income's a little better than average, cost a little below average, and that starts to add up to then a. A decent return on on that investment. Dustin, is that what the KFMA data would support? So, they doing a lot of little things well. Yeah, I mean, so looking at that KFMA data, which they just came out with the 2018 data. In fact, it hasn't even posted to the website yet. But uh, the difference between your top third and your bottom third in terms of net returns uh, above variable cost, it was uh, 200 225 dollars positive the top third to a per head basis to a negative 220 some dollars. So it was almost a 400. Fifty dollar difference between top your top third, third per head per head in net in uh, over gross yeah. or uh, over uh, variable expenses. So and, and, so, and then, so then gross margins yeah. and the average would be about halfway between there. So you got right. So if the average is say zero, positive side plus two hundred, negative side minus two hundred. So that's a, that's a huge difference. And there was about a in the terms of the the I can't remember all the numbers. Um, but, you know 36 percent I think of in terms of the expenses, it was feed expensive, I and mean, that yeah. was the biggest driver on the expense. And, side. and I say small things, but it's not small as in unimportant. It's like really good grazing efficiency, really good, 
uh, supplementation strategies. You know, so it's it's not it's not small as in simple, but it's it's not rocket science. It's not necessarily new technology or anything that we haven't uh, known for for many years. Keep your feed costs low, maximize your grazing efficiency, keep your cattle healthy, keep them reproductively sound. But you don't keep your and your feed costs a great example. You don't keep your feed costs low by doing one thing. You graze a few more days, you feed a little bit less hay, you waste a little bit less hay by how you feed it, how you store it, all of those things. That's, that, those that, are that's the, the little things. Those are the little things that yeah. add up. Incremental. Exactly right. Incremental. Yep. Yep. Incremental. So I, there, I, or another way to put it, there are very few home runs. So the, the top third are not home run different than the middle of the pack. They are lots of singles and bunts and, and, and just a lot of things just a little bit better. You're into the. It's that time of year. It's You're baseball. Into the baseball. We're analogy. using the baseball yeah. analogy. Get, Absolutely. It, it's almost time to switch to football. Although so, so, not a lot of baseball games being played right at the moment. No, yeah. That is true. <laughs> Water logged. Water polo baseball. Okay, so I'll bring you back to the tour. What yes. what kind of questions feedback did you get today? What did you learn when you visited with the Master Food volunteers? Uh, so lots of questions, uh, anywhere from tariffs mm-hmm. uh, to. Uh, questions along, you know, what there's such a large percentage of, at least in Kansas, of the uh, net farm income last year was a result of government payments. I mean, you're talking 55% on average of the $100,000 state average net farm income, 55% of that was government payments. Uh, So that was, there's some questions related to that is what's the next year going to look like? How much is going to be a result of the tariff? Um, Will we as consumers, will we feel that? And of course, we're no, gonna, those are good questions. We're gonna, we will be feeling that uh, through through higher prices of various goods. Uh, Trying to think, what are some other questions? But they were they were a very engaged audience. They were and had very lots engaged. Of, had lots of interaction and feedback. Absolutely, there was a lot of engagement. I was I was quite surprised how how much interaction, and it wasn't just at the very end. It was. From the very first slide, I mean, yeah. we were we were asking questions, talking. But it, about it. But it wasn't um, it wasn't hard to share with them in a in a way that we could really transfer that information because they were interested, they wanted the information we could give it. And and Bob, you talked to them. You did animal handling. Which yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see what, how did that go. Yeah, so the uh, it, it went great. I was uh, I was a little a little nervous. So we had you know three three rotations of this group of uh, uh, master food volunteers, which um, interestingly they, they they sort of aggregated into 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 groups. And so my middle group was mostly from a rural background. The last group I had was everybody was from Johnson County. Um, so, you know, urban or suburban background. So, so for people that are not from Kansas, Johns, Johnson County, right outside Kansas City. Right outside so, Kansas So more urban than yeah, suburban. Area. Yes. Um, so non, there was only one person in that group that had ag background, and they, they'd grown up on a, in, a, yeah. in a rural community. And so a, a really interesting kind of demographic of people that, I don't ordinarily get to interface very much, so you know I kind of count it as the you know advocacy for the day check right. Um, 
but uh, we had a, a you know three three heifers that we'd used in some student activities that were really gentle and kind of demonstrating stockmanship and, and how we now as as beef producers spend a lot of time trying to understand both animal behavior and then how do we use that to more effectively process and manage uh, animals through handling events and you know provides a nice backdrop for discussion about animal welfare issues that we face as uh, as an industry and, and the things we're trying to do right. Um, in terms of, of animal welfare. And the group was, I mean, like Dustin said, I mean, it was questions from the very beginning, really interactive. Um, these weren't like stand in the corner, um, wait for you to get done with your talk kind of folks. They were engaged. Um, you know, they were, these heifers were really gentle. And so by the end of the session, you know, the heifers are up and next to the fence and people are reaching through, scratching them. And so it, it was great. It was a, a really fun event. But that's a, that's a good point though, is because you said a couple things. One, all of us, we don't know exactly what to expect. So when we talk to somebody that's outside of our comfort zone, if if we went and talked to a bunch of I, producers or veterans, I'm not always good at guessing what their questions are going to be. In fact, I'm usually pretty bad at guessing what their questions are going to be. But mostly, what they wanted to know about is understand the process because it's like an industry that I'm not familiar with outside. Where I'd say, I, I don't really have any idea how they make a phone, yeah. and. I, as you go through, you could learn about all the intricacies. I don't really need to know how to make a phone. I need to know they know how to make a phone, mm -hmm. right? They know how to do what they're doing. And that's part of what we did. Do you think that's part of what we did today? I mean, they, they I were able so. to say, okay, look Gotta at all look these under areas. The hood and yeah. See what's happening. And yeah. Since they didn't have that ag background, they didn't. They were really open-minded. I thought I was surprised by that. Most of them were, you know, really curious about what we were doing and, you know, kind of how the business works. And, um, you know, nobody was, well, you guys, you know, it was, they were very open-minded and, and, and engaged. And I, I really, it was a lot of fun to, to interact with them, really. Yeah. So it was great, a great day on the tour today. We had a lot of good, a lot of good interaction. Uh, I think that was a good example of, it doesn't have to be too scary, but don't be afraid to tell your story. We've said that a couple times. Yeah. Tell your story as you go forward. A couple other things that we want to discuss that are both in the news, and uh, then I've got some other topics that, that we can hit on. One, uh, we changed our access to the Japanese market. So that's opened up. That's a good up. thing. Uh, that's changed, and it's basically been since 2003 when there were some restrictions there. So we see a lot of news, a lot of press releases on that. Uh, big difference, little difference. You know how how much difference is that going to make for us, Dustin? Well, I think anytime we get access uh, to additional markets or markets for some additional products, I think it's good. I've read some numbers that they think that could be an additional two hundred million dollars annually for exports for the beef industry. So I think yeah, anytime you can open up additional markets, it's it's and that, definitely going to be a win. My understanding is that Japanese market tends to be kind of the higher end middle meat steaks and and highly marbled that that part of the market which is kind of nice to grow because we we actually have a pretty good supply right now and it's kind of nice to to be able to move some of that to a customer that wants it make hay when you can make hay right yep yeah exactly so having in that having that market open and we've talked about a couple times on this show the importance of those external markets those export markets of the price of beef and it is not just i'm exporting to japan it is part of each carcass that's going that, right that right so we brings up yeah. the price and speaking of prices as we think about and our part of the country along with a lot of the midwest has been rain soaked so uh, we've, we've got a lot of rain uh we're actually and i saw some numbers this morning uh from what i read 
uh, only 93 and 95 had, did we have less corn planted at this current date. How does that impact our cattle well, market, our plants? And if, you, and if you think about what those years are, those of us that are old enough to remember uh, and were around this area in 1993, that was, that was the big flood year where all the Mississippi, Missouri River, uh, uh, the whole floodplain or the whole um, yeah, floodplain of those two rivers from you know North Dakota down to the Gulf of Mexico, and and that was a yeah, big deal. Bad. I mean, I that, that was, was and bad. and this year is starting to feel somewhat similar to those of us that were around then, and so it doesn't surprise me that compared to this year, that's the only year that has had slower corn planting than this year. That's not necessarily a. a a, a year I want to compare to. So what do I what do I do if I'm a if I'm a cow calf guy? Do I take any action based on this information? Do I watch? Do I hang out? Do I book in my calf prices? I'm hitting you guys. I didn't ask you this question before, so I'm hitting you up on the fly to get your. What do you do? I'd probably base my advice on someone other than some guys on a podcast. <laughs> but I, I think this is time to go talk to somebody with some local knowledge because. Because you really may want to think about pricing and feed ahead of time. I mean, I'd, I'd at least, I'd at least start asking some of those questions because this is going to be a year that's very untypical, most likely. Yeah. So I, I would want some local expertise and and thinking, uh, particularly on the feed pricing side. I think there's going to be some differences. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean we're going to probably see corn prices, feed prices going up, and so it gets back to what do you do? Uh, do you start to lock in, try to? Because it probably depends upon your individual operation size. I mean, if you're just a small 20, 30, 40, 50 cow operation, I don't know how much corn you purchase in a given year. But uh, but it may have an impact yeah. on calf prices yeah. is, what you, is what I would worry about. So as it comes into because it will impact feed yards, which could impact calf mm -hmm. prices. The counterbalance there is we've talked about the calf inventory may not be what it was. So yeah. so I, I will kind of agree with your – balancing. Yeah. yeah, this is this is something that there, you probably want to watch and keep could, an eye on. There could be some parts of this that are supportive of calf prices and some that are negative to calf prices, and I'm not sure exactly where it's going to fall. Yeah, absolutely. But you so, want to you want to have a plan. Some sophisticated risk management strategies might be entailed. So. Yeah, I think I think, and so when we talk about risk management, we haven't touched on it a lot, but we need to put that on as a, as one of our topics because our our risk management for the cow calf guy often does not utilize a lot of risk management other than we're going to sell it. And, and they're maybe, one of the more susceptible groups because we sell one time a year. Yeah. Right. yeah about the, the, the strategy that's most commonly implemented is just timing. I, I have some control over the timing. Uh, so weight, age of the cattle. I might hold them a little longer, sell them a little bit earlier. But uh, traditionally, you're right. Uh, we haven't used a lot of other risk management strategies other than timing. Well, thanks for joining us this week on our BCI Cattle Chat. And if you have any thoughts, questions, topics you'd like us to talk about, email us at bci at ksu.edu.